So we're going we're gonna to partner up and collaborate with them to help them get the word out about the, the paradigm shift in schools. And they're, they're, they're planning on this amazing conference um, where they're going to bring legislators and governors and senators and business leaders and captains of industry and, and, and superintendents and teachers uh, and bring them all together um, and having these hard discussions about how schools have to change. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Pretty thrilled today to bring you Rich Allen. Rich is a teacher uh, that has now started Disrupt Ed TV. I got acquainted with Disrupt Ed TV earlier this year um, and watching a lot of their episodes. And the thing I dig about this interview is that Rich has been that innovative, disruptive figure in education. He's not a guy that just kind of hopped on the bandwagon from outside of education. He's been firmly within. And we actually talked about the fact of, you know, him leaving the classroom and what kind of a change that was and how hard that was. Because, well, put frankly, this was his opportunity to talk point blank about Disrupt Ed TV. Instead, he chose to talk a lot about things in the classroom and actually brings up a lot of great teachers and great educators that don't get enough credit. So we dive into that. Uh, we also get into a little bit about what they're doing uh, with their their show as well, again, called Disrupt Ed TV. I highly recommend that you check it out. He gives all the details here at the end of the show, so make sure you stick around for that. Um, but not only that, I, I think that if you are an educator, you're going to hear a lot of that uh, compassion and drive to want to make things better for kids. And for that reason... Uh, I'm really just a big fan of Rich and what he does and what they're doing at Disrupt Ed TV. All right, without further ado, I'll stop talking and I'll get to it. Rich Allen. All right, joining me now from Disrupt Ed TV, Rich Allen. Rich, thanks so much for being on. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. So I'm going to go back a little ways. Uh, I discovered um, what Disrupt Ed TV was because we have a mutual contact and uh, I, I really like and respect Glenn Robbins there in New Jersey. And um, yeah, all of a sudden we start crossing paths and you guys were nice enough to, uh, to grab me after I did a keynote there in um, uh, New Jersey, uh, there at the Texpo 18 at uh, Atlantic City. Unfortunately, I couldn't meet you there. You had a bunch of other things going on, but uh, we have talked several times since. And um, man, I just kind of want to share with my audience what Disrupt Ed TV is doing. So before we get into that, let's go into your background story of how you know you've helped shape education, and then we'll jump into uh, the t- the TV programming. Sure. So, uh, 35 years ago, I started as a, as a teacher, um, and I, I took the very first job uh, that was available. Um, and my my former principal, who is now uh, who is who then became the assistant superintendent in charge of personnel, um, saw me in a, in a supermarket and reprimanded me for not applying. <clears throat> and uh, I, I told him, I said, I took the first job, so he invited me to come over. I got a job in a free regional high school district, and. Um, I was surrounded by some really, really amazing people and an amazing superintendent, um, amazing principals uh, um, and assistant principals who got me on this journey uh, of thinking outside the box of being <clears throat> of being really um, uh, disruptive. Um, and guys like uh, Tony Procopio and Dr. Harvey Casey and <clears throat> uh, Pat Demon, 
you know, to, to name a few. And our, even our superintendent at the time, uh, Dan McGuire, uh, was uh, very disruptive. He just didn't want to do things the way everybody else did. And so, uh, um, you know, I, I started thinking about what, what school would look like if, uh, if we didn't just do it the way it was always done, the way I did it when I was in high school, and probably the way it was done with my mother and father in high school. Uh, and by disrupting a, a little bit, by doing things outside the box, I, I noticed that students were starting to take an interest in, uh, in school and wanting, wanting to come to school and wanting to part, uh, participate and, and be part of the process. Um, and what we did uh, basically was to put the students in charge. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I, uh, there was a school uh, that, I, that I wanted to, to, to teach in. It was one of the, uh, no, I'm sorry, not teaching, but be the assistant principal in uh, that was uh, kind of struggling. It was the weaker of the schools. And I had begged to go to the school. I wanted to see if what was happening in the other schools, and it's a regional school district of six schools. I wanted, I wanted to know if what I what we were doing in one school could transfer over to the other. Um, and we turned a school from one of the worst high schools in New Jersey to one of the top uh, 500 in the nation. Um, and so I was enjoying tenure and, um, and, and doing my thing when I got an invitation to go to a, to a new school outside the district. And I took the jump. And a lot of people said, well, why don't you do that? Why, 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 lose, why, why lose your tenure and, um, and start? But I just needed to know if I was uh, lucky or if I, I really knew what I was doing. Um, and uh, so I packed up my bags and went to the new school. Um, and we started being disruptive from the very beginning, uh, starting um, uh, academies. Uh, we started uh, the first um, uh, medical science academy. Um, we would call it a mini medical school. We partnered with uh, uh, Jersey Shore University Medical Center. We started an engineering academy and uh, environmental science academy and a communications academy and a performing arts academy. Um, and they were unusual in that there, there were no, uh, uh, there, there weren't, you didn't have to apply. If you wanted to, you want to come in, you just talk to the advisor uh, and you were in. And, um, and we, we it, it started gaining a lot of, uh, a lot of momentum and experienced a lot of success. But, but our academies were before school, during school, and after school, and oftentimes weekends, um, where, um, you know, where, where uh, the experiences were, were done outside of the regular school day. Uh, and then we started many academies that met again at night. Um, and those uh, where people said, oh, it'll never happen, people won't come back. We were, we were averaging anywhere between 100 and 160 students uh, per night at our um, our mini academies. Yeah, it was it really was amazing stuff. And then the last thing I did was uh, um, met with uh, with the president of the community college, a local community college, and she wanted to know if uh, we wanted to be part of uh, uh, of the early college high school. We started the first early college high school in the state of New Jersey called Poseidon. So um, then uh, then I just started getting busy with uh, disrupt with the um, uh, with Disrupt Ed, and I decided after 35 years that uh, I would I would step out of public education and jump uh, you know head first into this Disrupt Ed TV. And the reason for that is uh, over, over the years traveling uh, through New Jersey and around the country, I met some amazing people. I I, I told you I met you uh, in Chicago. We were both presenting um, uh, in uh, was it Chicago or Atlanta? I think Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, you're you're you know, your, your students were, were presenting and it was just absolutely amazing. And I had to go up and, and 
introduce myself and let you know that you were an inspiration to to me and, and to so many people like me who uh, sometimes we feel like we're in silos and um, you know doing our own thing and it's nice to know that other people like you doing some amazing things although what I did didn't get close to the stuff you're doing we're still doing it and uh, um, and, and it's nice to know that there's supports and uh, you know I know myself and people like me always appreciate that um, no matter how busy you are you're always supporting our our initiatives and our uh, and our thoughts about uh, disrupting education because it needs yeah well, let me go back to that because um, that that's one of the things that I, I respected so uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to get lost in the um, there's been some buzzwords thrown around and and sure. you know sometimes people uh, get in excited about the latest trend um, but uh, you're kicking it old school right you know I one of my first guests um, I had on uh, right when I first started the show, uh, Grant Lichtman. Grant's been doing this for such a long time and he kind of laughed because he's like, man, there's nothing new under the sun. And a lot of times, some of the things that we're talking about would be cool and, you know, fashionable in Ed is, you know, things that we were doing in the 18th century and going back to Squires and things like this yeah. nature. So uh, in a lot of ways, I, I like the fact that, you know, before you started Disrupt Ed TV, you had a history of, of, being disruptive and, and, and disruptive in the, in the positive sense, you know, with whether it be many academies or getting kids back in. And, and I think one of the first things you said at the top of the show is, um, you know, getting them to take charge, uh, I think is, is so important. Um, but I, I, I would assume one of the hardest decisions was for you to, to jump out so you could jump into this other role. Am I assuming correct? No, I, absolutely. I was, um, you know, I, it, 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 it kind of happened by accident because, uh, um, I had said to my secretary, who's new, I said, uh, she said, you know, you've got to take a day off. And in 35 years of education, I never took a sick day. I was never out. I was out for professional days, but I never took a sick day. I just, my job was to get to school, um, meet with the kids, see what they were, what they were going to do, how they were going to take charge. Um, and, um, and, and I wanted to be the first one there and the last to leave. And sometimes it was six days, sometimes seven days a week. Um, make sure that um, my students were supported in the things they were doing. And, but, but it got to a point where I, got, I just got so excited about taking the silos off of these um, great teachers who were living in anonymity and these great leaders and uh, take, taking the silos off and, and letting the world see what, what's, uh, what's happening. You know, if I say to somebody, uh, hey, uh, did you see what Don Wetrick did or did you see what Jay Billy did, or did you see what Glenn Robbins did, or did you see what Randy Zeigenfoss was saying? And they say to me, who? I, I know we're not working hard enough because these great teachers, <clears throat> these great teachers should be, um, should be at the tip of the tongue. Like you, you, I'm watching the Yankee game today. Everybody can tell you every, the last man on the bench um, was not really affecting the baseball game. But we have teachers that are affecting uh, and impacting education day in and day out, and they're doing it in anonymity. And I thought we, we can't do that anymore. This yeah, is- well, let me let me tell you the double edged sword of that, though. Yeah. I, and 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 I and I totally agree. Um, but man, I, this is going to open up some some sore spots yeah. here. Uh, going back a couple months ago, and I actually talked about it once on the show before. So, if you're a loyal listener, thank you for for indulging me in the story again. But there was a, a story about two teachers. Um, and it was like in the New York times or some, some large publication. And basically it was like, they're securing endorsement deals for their class and they're getting free stuff for the class. And, um, you know, they, they, they equated them to rockstar teachers and and that's awesome. 
And the amount of anger and jealousy and I'm just going to say pettiness, but jealousy. You know, so we we talk about the fact that, you know, everybody nods their head. Teachers don't make enough. Yeah, teachers don't make enough. But when some do and some step out and they write that book or they get that endorsement deal, whatever, then some people had a hard time with it. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. And so I was, you know, I was applauding from the stands. Like, I'm happy. It's not a zero sum game. Right. Just because somebody got a, a, a speaking endorsement and, and, and the, I think the one thing that like she got a, a, a she was like, a, like got, got designer outfits for free or something like that. And, and just looking over the comments and how dare her and, you know, the students are benefiting from that. I'm like, dude, people are lining up to get in your class. So what's, you know, what's the problem with that? So there, there is this double-edged sword of, man, this rock star teacher, but there's sometimes a lot of pushback if you are indeed a rock star teacher. Because, before we even press record, we were talking about, there's a couple of teachers we know that are amazing and they're so humble and they're so, Oh, it's just little old me. Um, So this this was a really long question. (laughs) Do you, do you have a hard time convincing those people to be on your programming or have you started going after them yet? uh, You know, um, when I first, uh, when I first started asking people to come on a show, they would, they said, Look, you're, you're a friend, I'll do it. Uh, and now people want to get on it, believe it or not, be, because there's a show um, and people know about it, they'll say, okay, I'll be on a show. It's okay now to be on a show. I guess the taboo is off. However, there are people who want to be on a show, but uh, they're, you know, you have to be disruptive. You have to bring something. Um, you have to bring a passion. It can't be just one thing and it, and it can't be that one thing that everybody else is doing that you do that you think is pretty cool. It really has to be an out out of the box thinking type of stuff, and like you and I, we we talked about uh, Sky Donzelli and uh, and how she's teaching coding and robotics and rocketry to her students. Now, for most people, say, well, big deal. Well, but it is a big deal because her students have Down syndrome; uh, they're cognitively impaired, um, and she's teaching them. And she's and they're saying to her, you know what? I, I think I want to be a uh, I I, I want to be a uh, um, an engineer. I said, that's pretty cool stuff. You know, people are, uh, Jay, uh, I'm sure you know Jay Billy. Um, the stuff that he's doing as a, as a principal, most people wouldn't wouldn't ever think about doing. Um, I, I'll give you, a, you know, you, we both know uh, Glenn Robbins. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I was working with Excelsior College to try to get them to do uh, some early college high school, uh, where they start an early college high school. Uh, with uh, Christopher Nagy from the Burlington County School, uh, Vocational Schools. And I said, Glenn, too bad, um, you know, your students, uh, you know, high school can't start early college high school. And he was almost offended. He says, my kids will do it. I have seventh and eighth graders are ready to do, uh, do cybersecurity. I said, really? He said, I-, I want it. He said, let's bring it. You know, traditionally, you wait for early college high school at the high school level and Glenn said, my, my kids are ready to do coding. They're ready to do cybersecurity. They're ready to do anything a high school kid could do. And those are the kind of thinkers that we want on our show. They're saying there's you know, no limits. When I was a principal, I used to say excellence and no excuses. Everybody had an opportunity to experience and to excel, uh, to, um, to experiment, to take risks. Um, I had a student by the name of Greg who came to see me one day, and he said, uh, uh, he said, excellence and no excuses. I said, absolutely. He said, I want to be on a golf team. I said, Mr. Gizzy, get him golf clubs and a, and a, uh, um, and, and, and a uniform. 
and Mr. Gizzi got up, went went to the to the equipment room, came back, uh, sized them up, and gave him some clubs. Now, big deal. He's playing uh, he's playing golf, right? A lot of people do. Greg Huska was deaf, uh, and that's where Mr. Mr. Gizzi was in my office. He was here as an interpreter, uh, but Mr. Gizzi was also there because Greg had cerebral palsy. Walked with two crutches. Uh, but the kids said excellence and no excuses. You know, we challenged everybody. If you want to do something, go and do it. Um, and uh, that's that's just what we did. Um, yeah. So so there's other teachers that said, hey, you know, I did that too. And, and I want to be in a show and I want to tell you what I did, what great stuff we're doing. Um, so you, the hardest part is probably saying no to certain people. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, hope they, I, hope, I hope they take that as a challenge. We want to show show everybody off, but there are so many great things happening in the school. You sometimes you wonder, you know. Yeah, we run into that, that too, and I always feel terrible um, yeah. because, uh, like our 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 show is centered around things that are a little a little different, yeah. and um, and I'm always flattered, and I man, I always feel terrible, like because we get a lot of. Um, self-nominations and, and we, we get recommendations too. And I'm always grateful, but like sometimes it's ed tech companies and I'm like, Hey, this isn't really an ed tech show. I mean, there's, there's yeah. several out there and they're great, you know, uh, or, um, you know, we put on a really, uh, you know, we have a really great method of doing homework. I'm like, okay, this show isn't really about homework. And, and so no. I always, I always feel terrible about that because I, I agree. I, I want to show case great education just ours is kind of in the area of innovation, entrepreneurship kind of thing. So, that's and, always a, it's a tough thing. Say and, no to. and shouldn't all the classrooms be like that? All the schools be like that, that entrepreneurship. I, I, I truly believe. Yeah, that, we, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, I, I truly believe that, that, uh, where, that the next Uber and Airbnb and Facebook can come out of the elementary school and middle school and the high schools. Why do we have to wait? Oh yeah, well, it, it will be. Yeah. That's my, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm, ta- I'm preaching to the choir here, but do we still have teachers that, well, I got to teach to the test. Um, <sighs> we got tests coming. And I have promised you this. I can promise you this. And if you find, see, um, and then we talked about this before. I, I, um, I never, ever asked a student, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I remember when I wanted to grow up, at first I was going to be a cowboy. Um, and then I was going to be a fireman, a policeman. And then, and, and, uh, and eventually I found a problem I wanted to solve. And I said, you know, shouldn't that be the question we ask? Instead of what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to major in? How about this? What great problem do you want to solve? So get them to start to solve the problems and surround them with the curriculum so that the student, so that we're now truly student-centered. I, I look at your classes, that's student-centered. When somebody says to me, oh, I have a student-centered classroom, I say, oh, you're doing what Don Wetrick does or Genius Hour. Uh, well, no. Well, then tell me how it's student-centered. Um, where, where exactly is it? Are, do they, each student have their own individualized learning plan? Um, no. Well, well, where is it student-centered then? I, I'm not really sure. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. <laughs> gonna, all right, you're gonna get me in trouble. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus this back on you. The show's about you yeah. today. Uh, <laughs> so you've got some exciting things, and uh, yeah. I just saw some. Uh, partnerships and relationships being built there were started up. Uh, oh gosh, gosh, I'm mixing my own brands with yes. disrupted TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, go and share. I'm assuming you can share now some of the big announcements you guys have, sure. have made. Sure. Uh, share some of those uh, big things that you guys got going on there at disrupted. Well, not too long ago, we had um, a company come to see us by the name of Tech Extend. 
Um, they're part of the, um, the Wayside Corporation, which is a publicly traded company. And they, they have a, a division there called Tech Extend and uh, a gentleman by the name of um, uh, Kevin Askew. Kevin's the president and, uh, I'm sorry, he's the vice president and general manager of Tech Extend and Tech Extend Solutions. They came to us with the uh, with a proposal to um, help them represent a robot by the name of Milo. Um, have you heard about Milo and the work they're doing with uh, autistic students? Yes, yes, I have. Absolutely amazing. If, if uh, I don't want to go too much into it, but um, <clears throat> if uh, you know, if they if they come to our site, they can see more about um, uh, about Milo. It does some amazing things uh, with with students with uh, with autism, uh, and they also have a um, uh, a lot of they do a lot of work uh, with. Um, uh, with solutions uh, to problems that schools have, like bullying and harassment, um, with uh, STEM education, uh, with autism, uh, like I said. So th- this is an amazing, amazing company. Uh, also, we're doing work um, with uh, two gentlemen by the name of Christa, Christopher Russell and, um, and, and Enrique Parada. They started a thing called Project 77. The reason it was called Project 77 is because it was one of – number of product projects that were submitted for approval by the Columbia MBA school. And what they're doing uh, is they're creating a LinkedIn type of platform that's just for teachers and educators so that educators can talk to educators without having other people troll onto their, <coughs> onto their site. So there's gonna, not going to be any ads. There's not going to be um, any uh, uh, you know, booksellers and things like that coming in and people who are, uh, you know, who want to sell you something trolling onto your site. It's just a site uh, where teachers and educators can share ideas with. So if there's somebody else doing Genius Hour, or there's somebody else um, you know, teaching like a pirate, when Dave Burgess is teaching like a pirate, lead like a pirate, um, they can, they, the uh, computer, the analytics, com- connects teachers who are, who are like-minded so they can have these uh, the robust conversations uh, privately without other people trolling in. Um, then... Uh, uh, we were uh, we, we met with a woman uh, by the name of Lisa Marie uh, Clinton from and she's from Ireland and she has a uh, a, um, uh, a it's not, I hate to say it's an app but it starts with an app but it's a support system uh, that empowers learners uh, with uh, with autism and developmental uh, intellectual disabilities to start functioning in the world. Um, these uh, so what I'm saying is that we're, we're starting to represent companies that have really disruptive technologies that are going to help our students who eventually become or who will become adults and will need to learn how to function uh, as independently as possible in the real world. So in the process of doing our work, uh, we um, got in contact with uh, Working Nation. Uh, we hadn't got into this conversation with them, and uh, you've seen the you've seen the video uh, slope of the curve. Um, yeah, yeah, that's eye opening. Yeah, isn't it? And it, it almost it almost seems. I know this show is about us, but I, I keep going back to what you're doing. It's almost as if you guys have seen, you saw that vision a while ago. You know that the world uh, the the world of work and industry is going to be different, um, and you know the slope of the curve is is moving so quickly. Uh, that uh, we have to change the way we're doing things in school, uh, and uh, in the process of doing of bringing in disruptive technology, um, and bringing disruptive educators and leaders and uh, and teachers, uh, we got in contact with. Uh, we were in con- we were contacted by 21st century schools. We had the most amazing uh, discussion and conversation with Ann Shaw, who's the founder and director of 21st century schools. 
<clears throat> and she works with uh, with people like uh, Sir Ken Robinson and um, Ken Dintersmith and Tony Wagner, who are you know heroes for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people. And one of the things she said was, uh, you know, that they're on the top of the buildings and screaming and yelling um, to try to get change, and, and the change isn't happening. And people are listening to us; they're listening to you. Um, and uh, that's why I called you the other day, and I said we you know, told you about this amazing conversation and. Uh, we talked about what you guys are doing in your classes, and so we're gonna we're gonna partner up and collaborate with them to help them get the word out about the the paradigm shift in schools. And they're 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 planning on this amazing conference um, where they're going to bring legislators and governors and senators and business leaders and captains of industry and and, and superintendents and teachers uh, and bring them all together um, and having these hard discussions about how schools have to change and we can't do it the way we always do it we can't put uh, you know uh, uh, we were saying this the other day i was talking about this the other day there, there's no business that i know of where they line the employees up in rows of six six rows deep um, with a teacher in the front or a boss in front that's not how we're operating and in fact in uh, your disrupted uh, converse, uh, conversation with us um, in your i think it's episode two uh, or, or part two of yours, you said something about by the year 2030, most everybody will be, will be entrepreneurs and working for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the slope of the curve. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've gotten more emails and responses of, you know, Hey, where'd you find those statistics? And, um, you know, they're out there. And matter of fact, if you want to, I've seen several different articles, Forbes has been the most voracious, but, um, a lot of it's between 40 and 50% in the next two years will be, you know, freelance, um, gig economy, you finding your own opportunities. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's a changing world. And, so, and, I mean, well, you know, that's what 21st century schools are talking about. And Shaw, uh, who's a yeah. That she's talking about all the time. Working Nation is talking about it all the time, and you know, and like they're saying, they're they're standing on rooftops yelling, but the schools aren't listening. And, uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I've got, I've done so many episodes beating my head against the wall. I'm trying to stay focused here on, on what you guys are doing. But yeah, just briefly, it, it is. It, it's it's frustrating um, yeah. because I've said this once, and I'll say it a thousand times. The, the first two groups we need to convince are the parents and the colleges. Yeah. Um, and the colleges don't necessarily want to change too much because, you know, their model is working. They're making plenty of money. And the parents uh, keep digging in and saying, no, the only the only way out, the only really good way, you know, to for them to succeed is get that traditional four-year education. And, and again, I've said a thousand times, I don't have a problem with some four-year degrees, just some, not all, but yeah. anyway. No, that's exciting stuff. Uh, I, I, I like I like where you guys are going. I like some of the you know, things you guys are um on the horizon, uh, you you also mentioned Working Nation a little bit. You guys have got some things brewing with them too, correct? Right. Yeah, and we and we just had Jay Notes. So so Jay Notes uh, is uh, with Working Nation, and she uh, she told a fascinating story back in 1975. She um, noticed that students weren't coming to school, um, and you know she could have just said, "Well, that's just the way life is." Uh, but she went to Senator Kennedy's office and said she wouldn't leave until until she had a meeting with him. Uh, and finally, about three days later, he, he came out and uh, they had a lifelong relationship and she started uh, getting involved <clears throat> in, in, the, in, in changing education, really being disruptive. Uh, the Working Nations is uh, it's an amazing organization trying to do some amazing things. 
Um, and, and you know what's, what's, what's frustrating for 21st century schools with Ann Shaw and we work in Nation and Jane Oates is that uh, uh, you know, we, they need to go out and convince people and, and they shouldn't anymore. Uh, we're working with a company out of uh, the UK. Um, it's called uh, Disrupt Learning and Education. <clears throat> and um, they have a, a, a product, it's the e-learning platform, so that uh, when you get a, let's, let's say there's an article you, you, you want to read, you can put it through their system in two minutes, you have an e-learning platform. Uh, so they have, uh, um, they, they have investors that are trying to raise money to, uh, to get this into all the schools. And my, my thought is it's revolutionary. It gets rid of textbooks. Why, why do we have to convince people to, to get it? Why do we have to find um, investors uh, to, to make this affordable to schools? They should see the value in it that, uh, you know, by the time you get a traditional textbook, what, it's five, eight years old? <clears throat> and, um, and it's certainly not current, not for if it takes five years uh, to get to get a market, it's not current because you're missing five years um, or six years or even more. Uh, so, so why is it that these innovations that are going to help students taking so long to get into schools and, and why is it so cost prohibitive, especially, you know, for the poorer schools? Uh, and that's why we started Disrupt Ed TV. Um, so we, wanted, um, we wanted professional development to be free and on demand so that, um, you know, a mom picking up her son from soccer practice or a dad picking up his daughter from basketball practice and he's sitting in the car we can go to Disrupt Ed TV, click on, uh, click on our, 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 uh, our site, look for uh, so, uh, some PD, click on it in a half hour while they're waiting, they're, they're getting some professional development. Uh, talk, you know, talking about things that are disruptive, but, but still important to what their, what their vision mission is in the school. Um, you know, it, we, we shouldn't have teachers, or only a select group of teachers um, being able to um, to to uh, to attend professional development in a school of 120 uh, teachers, you're not sending a 120 of them out for a full day PD. It's not happening. Um, and some of the PD, you know, it's becoming more uh, like um, what uh, what what Ann Shaw says, more like edutainment rather than uh, real professional development. Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that before in the past too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, and, and, you know, um, I was talking to a couple of the people about the, the edutainment scene and, and everything like that. And, and, and I will say this, a lot of times when we go to big conferences and, and I've talked to a lot of teachers, um, it's also their time to unwind and, and they like uh, to be entertained. And, and I've seen some people, you know, talk about some of the, the bigger ones and like, Hey, are you, are you here to be entertained? Or are you here to learn? And then a lot of people are like, can we have both? <laughs> um, so it's it's a it's a delicate balance for sure. Yeah, but the but the but the entertainment, you know, there there should when you go to learn, there should be a so what to it. And I always ask that question to my teachers, you know, and and my administrators. What's the so what of it? I mean, if you if you're going, is is it to be entertained? Well, you know, you you have your time to do that. Uh, this is serious. What we're doing is serious business. Yeah, we're having fun doing it. Um, but you, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be your professional development dime entertaining uh, the teachers and the administrators. They should be going there, lock, locking the door behind them, and doing some really serious work. Um, so when I hear uh, edutainment, it, it kind of it, it bothers me a little bit. It's uh, you know I, do, do that do that entertainment on your time. Do some serious work. We, we're uh, 
I'm going to yeah. steer committee for the ESET uh, 2 uh, and JPA. And that's uh, it, it, that's two days of really serious PD. There's there's no breaks. Nobody's entertaining you or and selling you anything. It's just session after session after session of, of really serious work. And uh, our job uh, in the steering committee is to is to educate, not to entertain. Uh, at the end of the night, uh, when all said and done, um, you know there's some entertainment, but that's that's only if you want to stay. Most people are so tired at the end they go home. Yeah. Um, our job is not to entertain. Our, our job is to is, is to train, to teach, to shape, to disrupt, and then send them back into the schools. Can't agree enough. Mm-hmm. All right, Rich. Uh, point us to any other things you can here before we sign off. Um, where they can find Disrupt Ed TV, all the good particulars. Sure, um, you can follow us on. Uh, I should memorize the the. the it's uh, at Disrupt TV. Um, on Twitter, and you could go to our website at uh, www.disrupt-edtv.com, uh, and you can see uh, um, some of our shows, our Disrupt Ed shows. Uh, some are, you know, the 30-minute interviews, um, and also uh, we have some panel discussions. Um, we just finished one uh, on school safety. Uh, we're not talking about um, arming anybody or bringing guns in. We're talking about creating a climate and culture that's safe for schools. And we're doing our second one um, uh, April 17th. And it's a roundtable discussion that's going to continue that conversation. And what, what do you need to do to create a school where every student feels validated and every teacher and every student feels safe? Uh, so uh, you can come onto our website. You can see our panel discussions. We even have one on student voice. Um, and uh, and then probably about 72 shows uh, up and up and running now on Disrupt Dead TV. All right. Well, Rich, I sincerely appreciate you coming on. You're a pioneer. Uh, I love the fact that you've done this for such a long time and then uh, decided to take a little risk and then put a spotlight uh, there on the educators that are uh, starting to shake things up a little bit and, and uh, get the word out. So from seriously, from the bottom of my heart, man, I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and uh, keep up with whatever you're doing. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thanks. Have a great night.